and welcome back to another episode of Building the Board. I am joined by Ron Luce, at Luce on Tap on Twitter, and this time around, well, first I'll give you guys a recap. We are building the Chicago Bears draft board. We have a team of scouts here. If you guys haven't been following along, you can go back and listen to our previous episodes where we talked about offensive tackle, interior offensive line, running back, and linebackers. And tonight, me and Ron are talking about defensive tackles. But Ron, how are you doing tonight? Hey, man, all things considered, I might sound a little nasally. I'm coming off of a little bit of a sinus cold. But Q, I'm always in a good enough mood to talk uh, talk draft prospects with you, my friend. It's always good to be on the microphone with you. Yeah, absolutely. So the way we've been kicking these shows off, well, actually, even before I get to that, I, I have something I have to get off my chest. If uh, anyone out there who, who listens to us regularly, I beg you to please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating of what we think of, what you think of us. Because right now there is a rating on Apple Podcasts and a review that says that we were pounding the table for Tyson Bajan. And if you've listened to us, you know that this is not true. And I just, I can't see it anymore. I don't want to see it anymore. So please help us out with that. But anyways, we'll get back to defensive tackles. <laughs> so the way that we want to open these, each of these shows, we're, we're going to talk through three questions of what the Bears roster currently looks like, what we think the Bears are going to be spending on the position this offseason, draft capital wise, and the traits that we're looking for to fit the Bears scheme. But first off within that, Let's talk about what the Bears currently have. Ron, what, what do you see on the roster that you say, you know, there might be a need, there might not. What's there currently, and what do you expect from it? I think in terms of defensive tackle position, Q, right now for the Bears, there's a lot of promise there, right? You and I talked very, very highly of the guys that were in that room throughout the course of the season, right? Javon Dexter Sr., uh, Zach Pickens, just to mention two of those names. Uh, and even veterans like Justin Jones had a nice season. Now, I think what we see when we look at that D-tackle room is a lot of youth that can still grow. And the the maybe the addition for one legitimate quote-unquote dude in that room, right? Just a game wrecker from the inside. Somebody that you can compliment with a guy like Montez Sweat on the outside on this defensive line. I think we saw the flashes from a guy like Javon Dexter, especially late in the season, playing alongside a guy like Montez Sweat. But there's still a lot of growth, I think, to be had with guys like Pickens and Dexter. One more just game wrecker, in my opinion, is what the Bears could use in that defensive tackle room. What do you, what, what do you think, you? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I look at it and you, you say, and I'm, I'm the biggest fanboy of Javon Dexter out there, right? Like, that was my dude last year in the draft, and I was, I was just pumped up when they took him. But even with development, I'm not, you look at him, you say he's still a developing player. You know, he's not a sure thing on that defensive line. So I see it right now. It's really, Billings is the only sure thing that they really have rostered at the defensive tackle spot. Um, and, you know, you might sit there and say Montez Sweat's pretty good too, but Montez Sweat is, a, is an edge rusher. And we're talking defensive tackle. So, you know, I'm hoping we keep seeing progression from Dexter. I think you can expect him to be, close to a starting role, if not a starting role this year. But you want to, in my opinion, you want to keep stacking talent there because it's, you never have enough D tackle talent guys go down. It's a brutal position. I'm not sure what you're expecting from Zach Pickens this year. You hope again, 
he finished the year showing some development and some upside that you kind of liked, but at the same time, I'm not sure how much you can sit here and count on him either to be much more than just a rotational player. So adding someone who to me, and I'll even throw Demarcus Robinson in the conversation because he's, he's a third down interior rusher. Right. And I think that does change what you're looking for at the position too, because how many 280, 270 pound defensive tackles can you truly roster? You know, I mean, you, I'm not sure that you can really stack those kind of guys that much. You have room for one of them, maybe. Um, so to me, it's probably as simple as you look at what they lost, Justin Jones. You got to replace Justin Jones. And you got, yeah. you might be able to replace better than that, but you got to replace that type of player who's 300 pounds, can kind of. I'll save that conversation for the scheme stuff, actually, the, the final question. Well, I like. It, it, just a really quick cue to add what you said. I, I think people need to keep in mind, especially with the defensive line position, right? Because there's another episode of Building the Board coming up this evening with edge rushers highlighted. So the whole D-line is going to get covered here this evening if you're tuning along. And if you're listening on podcast, that will be released on Thursday. Boom. There you go. Good, good plug. Good plug. Defensive line more than any position in football rotates and rotates heavily. Most good teams – are about seven or eight guys deep at the D-line position. I know even at the college level, really good teams are as deep as nine and ten deep of guys that they'll rotate on the field. Because it's such a high-motor position, you always want to be able to be deeper than your opponent is at that spot. Q, you said it perfectly, right? Just continue to stack at a position like defensive tackle. Yeah, and I think that brings us to the, you know, what's the expected draft capital expenditure for the bears at this spot. And this is a tough question because to me, I, I look at, I look at Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham. They came from the chiefs and the Eagles, the chiefs. I mean, a lot of their investment has been more at edge, but they, they like some of those heavier edges, right? Like, I mean, they, the last two years, they've drafted two edges in the top two rounds between uh, Carl Loftus and uh, Anaduke Uzoma. Yep. So they, you, you see the Chiefs there. So that's where Ryan Bowles comes from, investing in the defensive trenches. You see the Eagles, where Ian Cunningham comes from. The Eagles take a defensive tackle every dang year on day, day one or day two. Every year. 100%. So to me, it's tough to sit here and say, I don't expect the Bears to invest a decent amount of draft capital into the defensive trenches. Now, whether that's D-tackle or edge, I'm not sure, but that, that that's my read on it. At the very least, I expect probably two day three picks if they don't take the guy in, in day one or day two. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you, Q. I think especially with just even Ryan Pohl's rap sheet as general manager so far, He's not afraid to invest in the defensive side of the ball, period, especially on day two of the draft. Um, I really wouldn't be shocked to see the Bears execute a trade, you know, execute in an acquisition of a guy here. Obviously, they are a little bit limited uh, in terms of what they have. No sixth round pick, no seventh round pick, but you got two fours. You got that three. You've obviously got the two ones. I could see that third round pick very easily being a defensive lineman. I agree with you. I'm not sure if it's on the edge or if it's at the de defensive tackle spot. I think we'll get our answer to that when free agency comes and goes um, because there's a very notable three technique that's going to be on the market most likely, and the Bears can probably pay him, and he hails from Kansas City, ironically. Um, 
But as of now, I, I'm, I'm right there with you, Q. I, I would not be surprised at all to watch this front office draft a defensive lineman on either day one of the draft, especially if they move around quite a bit, or even day two of the draft with that third-round pick. Yeah, and so that brings us to the traits that we're looking for. And, and this, this is a big deal for us because we're building the Bears draft board. We're not building ESPN's draft board or the athletics draft board. We're building one specifically for the Bears. So how these guys will fit Matt Eberflus's system is something that really matters to what we're looking at. But Ron, are there any specific traits that you look for? Um, and I, you're muted. Oh, there you go. Okay. Was trying to be proactive. I'm uh I'm I'm trying to make sure I'm not coughing in everybody's ears throughout the show. I apologize. Um, you know, Q, from a traits perspective, I think the one thing that, especially in a four three, we see it time and time again. If you have a guy that just can be a disruptor, right? Like he doesn't need to be the perfect player, he doesn't need to do four or five things really well. Usually the guys that are high motor and are just brutes in terms of strength usually do pretty well in a four three at either one of the defensive tackles mouth now granted at a three technique spot we're, we're probably looking for more of a disruptor than we would be say a, a one technique spot where that guy's expected to be a little more of a run stopper i.e andrew billings and, and contribute in the kind of that gap scheme game of the defense but i, I want a guy with a high motor that's just going to piss off the opposing offensive line. That's at the end of the day, what I really want. Uh, and, and kind of a trait that I'm looking for, right? Be that bully on the defensive line, especially at the, the defensive tackle position, because if you can in, in the four, three, it works from the inside out. And it, that includes the defensive tackles as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the disruption is a, is a, a major thing here. I also think, you know, you look at Matt Eberflus's history at, at defensive tackle. He wants length. He cares about mm. length. That's something that he values, and that's something that we're, we're going to value because of that. Um, and so. then also a little bit, like I said earlier, about you already got uh, Demarcus Walker kind of filling that pass-down, three-tech pass-rusher role for you. Yeah, kind of that rush three. It, it kind of limits what I think the Bears will actually look at because there's a lot of guys like that in this class, a lot of them. And mm -hmm. I'm not sure that you can sit there and say, we only have three 300 pounders on our defensive line and we expect to eat, you know, I mean, that's one guy goes down. You're suddenly, you only got two guys who can play any given down. And that's just not really a position you want to be in. So what I'm looking at is that Justin Jones type player, like physical profile, Javon Dexter type physical profile, guys mm -hmm. who can play every down guys who can you're not afraid if you have to motion them, shift them over to the nose tackle alignment because offenses will motion to get your alignments off of what you they want you want them to be. Like mm -hmm. they will make force you to put Billings in the three tech and whoever the other guy is in the one tech at times. And you can't be scared of that guy going in the one tech and it's just not going to work. So I, I need guys who are 300 pounds and can handle some power. That, that's really what I'm looking for. Yeah, well said. I, I think a perfect player comp that you can even just point to and, and say this is what Eberflus wants in guys, look at DeForest Buckner. Long, yeah. big, powerful. I mean, he's the prototype, in my opinion, of what Eberflus would like in a defensive tackle if he, if he had it his way at the end of the day. 
There is one guy. He he wasn't on the list that I sent you because I hadn't watched him yet, but I watched him over the weekend. There's one guy who I think is that guy who might fall in love with. He's oh, a super boy. developmental guy. Like he, he reminds me a lot of Dexter, actually, but we'll get to him later. Okay. I'll mention him at the end of the show. But let's go ahead and jump in on some of these guys. So open it up with the fighting Illini, their own Johnny Newton. Have you have you watched much of Johnny yet, Ron? You know what, Q? I I have seen probably more of Newton than anybody else. And it's because of watching running backs. <laughs> Newton's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I've watched a lot of Braylon Allen film. And the one guy who continually was in the backfield just causing pure chaos for the Wisconsin Badgers offense was Newton. Time and time again, it didn't matter what down it was. It didn't matter the circumstance. Every single guy at time, I'd catch myself. I'm like, who the hell? Oh, that's Newton. Oh, this guy got through. Oh, that's Newton again. Just a, a premier defensive tackle, in my opinion. This is the guy that if the Bears had four first-round picks in the perfect world, right? Like, in my eyes, Newton becomes a Bear, right? He's got that size that you're looking for. He's nearly 300 pounds. He's just a tad short of that. He's got the length. And he's just a disruptor in the trenches, man. So, ironically, I didn't have to look up a red a whole lot of his film because, just as Robert said early on in the in the building the board process on the shows, you always catch guys on film and you go, "Who the hell's that guy?" That was Newton when I was watching a lot of the running backs film. Yeah, no, I mean he's you're right. he he knows how to disrupt. And there's man, I I value the way that he plays football so highly. Like it's agreed. He he can disrupt but that's not what he does all like he just doesn't rely on that and that's what he does. Um he has the way he plays defensive tackle is you, you don't see it that often. It's pretty rare. It's stuff that you see you saw with like a Quinn and Williams and you see with the Aaron Donald and some of these really high-end football players where yeah, their first step is awesome and they can use that to disrupt but they don't they don't rely on it all the time. What they prefer to do most of the time is read the blockers in front of them and use their hands to win the battle. And that's that's something that Johnny Newton does already. I mean, you don't when you find a guy in college who plays this way, I think you take him. like it's it's that easy. One thousand percent. And I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that. He's been falling down draft boards at the start of this process. He was considered a top ten pick. He's down around twenty now. Um, I, I think he's gotten knocked a little for short arms, which in my scout report I, I, I even mentioned. I think he's going to have long arms because of the way he plays. Like if even if his arms are short, I'm not too worried about it because his hands are so good and so fast that it has not been an issue for him at any point in his career. Um, I. I, I this this guy's one of my favorite players in the draft class. I mean, I, I compared him to Draymond Jones, which Draymond Jones had a down year last year, but two years ago he was, you know, the the heart of Bears Twitter as the free agent target. Like I, I think that yeah. Draymond is a really good comp for him here with the hand usage, with the quickness, the ability to disrupt. And I think I'm it, it might be a little low for Johnny Newton, honestly, as far as like what the ceiling is but he's just a hard player to comp because you don't want to comp him to someone who's too good either. Right. Well, and speaking of guys that are quote unquote too good, wasn't Aaron Donald knocked for having short arms? Like, wasn't that a thing at one point? I mean, it's, 
it's a legitimate knock on guys because agreed you don't you don't find guys who are that skilled with their hands that often but newton might be like he is really good that's what I was going to say. I, I get the knock on guys without length if they don't know how to use their hands, right? Yeah. Like it very much is one of those things where the way you make up for short arms on the defensive line is having incredibly quick hands, right? You see the drills that a guy like Aaron Donald does on a routine basis. Hell, he, he plays with knives, for God's sake, mm-hmm. when he's doing all these hand drills. I mean, if you've got a guy that has that elite ability to use his hands and is a smart football player enough to read what the offensive line is bringing at him, I think you can make up for a lot of the length in that situation. But Q, to your point, right, we're doing all of these before the the, the NFL scouting combine. Who's to say he doesn't go in and all of a sudden have, you know, above average length in terms of, of his arm length? And now all of a sudden that fall that Newton's been on in the, all these mock drafts, turns around and goes right back into a rise and projects him right back in the top 10. Or, you know, he just surprises everyone with a four, eight forty or something like that. You know, it's like, it, it, That'd be bananas. Elijah Cansey was the talk of the, the combine last year. It was like, people were high sure on was. him and then they were even higher. And he had, he had like 31 and a half inch arms or something like ridiculously short arms. And mm-hmm. he was pretty dang good this year. Yeah. Um, Incredible so I, I think Newton years. falls in that category because I think he has better hands than Kansi did. I think Kansi was just more of a pure chaos than Newton mm-hmm. is. It's just a different play style. Um, but let's move along to another one of my favorite players in the draft, Chris Jenkins out of Michigan. And, Ron, I, I'm going to go ahead and start this one off, if you don't mind, because go for it. as much as I love Newton, there are some – some questions about his size and his length and it's hard for me to call him my favorite defensive tackle in the class even though I think he's probably going to be the best one because Chris Jenkins is just perfect like I, I he has the length he has the size he has the quickness this guy was number six on Feldman's freak list this year he has a moldable frame he has gained 50 pounds since enrolling at Michigan and 20 pounds in the last year. Like this, this guy is just, his nickname is the mutant and he's a mutant. Like just very impressive. There, there's still some stuff for him to work on. He's still learning to play interior D line. He was an edge rusher when he was being recruited to college. Um, I mean, 250 pound edge rusher, I should say. Now he's a 300 pound defensive tackle, a little bit different play style, a little bit different aspects that you need to figure out when you're doing that. Um, But I see a guy who is just, he's violent in his nature, which matters a lot to me. And what I I always have a hard time describing that, but the hand violence, the, the aggression you play with and the urgency that you are taking with, because on the defensive line, Every centimeter counts, right? Every split second counts because you only got three seconds to get to that quarterback. And that urgency is something that is present in Chris Jenkins game. He has explosiveness to, I think, to to play at three tech. He has the anchor and the power to be able to kick over that one tech. I mean, if the Bears get a second round pick and he get and he's still there, I wouldn't be surprised if if you take him. But I personally don't think he's going to see the second round. He he hasn't gotten there in mocks yet. I think he's going to jump up. I think there's too much to like with this guy's profile. But, Ron, what do you think? No, I, I agree with you. He was actually one of the guys that I'm 
was most impressed by. And I would put him right in that tier with Newton, just like you said. I think the most impressive part to me with, with Jenkins is it's not only the length, right? A guy can be long, but he might not know how to use his length. Jenkins knows how to use his length, right? He's he's quick to get his hands on the opposing offensive lineman. He has the read and reactability, and he's an explosive enough playmaker where he's he's going to make a difference in the run game on the interior run. He's going to make a difference in the pass game on the pass rush. I think some of that rawness that you noted, right, of him still learning the defensive tackle position, in in the Bears' case, might actually work out because maybe teams do value him a little less because there is some learning curve and he's not just as, as simple as a plug-and-play as it might seem. But that being said, man, there is way too much to like. And he reminds he reminds me of dad. Reminds me of dear old dad who used to wreak havoc for the Carolina Panthers back yeah. in the day. So, was, I, I mean. Panthers or Jaguars? Panthers. Jenkins was a Panther. Yeah, I Jenkins thought, I was, thought Panther. He was a Jaguar, but I mean, my, my, Jenkins, my memory of him is mostly in Madden. So, if I'm being that, honest. <laughs> Jenkins, Jenkins and Peppers used to wreak havoc for the Panthers, man, back in that day. They were, it's funny. So, a lot of people don't know. I for whatever reason, I watched a lot of Carolina Panthers football as a kid besides for just the Bears. And uh, Jenkins was one of those first guys, a lot because of Madden, just like you said. Um, but like in Madden, like 05, oh yeah, that D-line that the Panthers had was nasty. And he looks like dad. He really does. He reminds me a lot of his dad, the way he plays. And I think because of that, eventually he's going to be just as good of a D-tackle as his yeah. dad was. I, I think there is, again, a little bit of that learning curve, which could knock his value a tad. But if you're a team that looks at him and says, we can afford a little bit of a rough learning curve in rookie year one, this guy's a no-brainer, in my opinion, as a defensive tackle prospect. Yeah, and when we're saying learning curve, I mean, we're, we're talking he doesn't really have any counters. He relies mostly on power. Um, he doesn't always have a great plan in his toolbox. He just doesn't have a lot of options. Um, but really, we're not talking Javon Dexter either. Like Dexter, Dexter was raw, raw. This guy is just like he could be better, but there's there's a lot of moments where he's just winning based on athleticism and strength right now, and that's the way Dexter was. But Jenkins uses his hands. <laughs> I think it's the simplest way to put it. Jenkins Dexter definitely, really <laughs> yeah, Jenkins definitely better in terms of creating separation, which. Once you do that, you could teach a guy counter moves. Like, that's not a problem. A guy can work on counter moves all he wants and, and develop that learning and understanding with the proper coaching and with veterans around him and things like that. Uh, right there with you, Q. I, I think Jenkins is much less of a, in terms of raw than a guy like Dexter was. I, I think Jenkins has the ability to still step in and start day one. He might just have some of those rough rookie learning curves in the passing game. But again, if you got a guy like Montez Sweat on one side, maybe you got a guy like Daniil Hunter who might be in the fold for the Bears. If you have a guy like Chris Jenkins on the inside rushing the passer because of those mismatches on the outside, you give him one-on-one, -on -one, he's probably still going to have a good chance to win. Yeah, agreed. Moving on here to a guy who has really jumped up draft boards here recently, Byron Murphy the second out of Texas. And, Ron, let me get your thoughts before I chime in on this one. Yeah, with with Murphy, he's a big dude. Like I know he doesn't he doesn't actually measure in it as a big dude. He's about six foot one, um, which again a little small, but he's got the quote unquote the the weight size right. He, he's a little over three hundred pounds. You mentioned that's what we're looking for, right? For the Chicago Bears defense, we're not looking for that two hundred eighty pound defensive tackle. But I look at him; he's he's big, 
<clears throat> and I mean, he's big. And I even put that with like five eyes, <clears throat> excuse me, with five eyes in my notes here. He does not get moved off the ball easily. He's a perfect anchor D tackle. I think he's got some ability in the pass rush game, but I think there's a lot of guys in this class that are, are better pure pass rushers than he is. But I, I like just his brute. I think it's just the brute strength that you can see on tape, the way he holds up against double teams, the way he fills in the run game and the gaps. This is a guy that, I mean, we're lucky, Q. We get to sit here tonight, you know. I, I remember sitting with Steve on this, this show not too long ago talking about a running back class where we might not even see a guy get picked until day three. This class, not the case. There's quite a few guys on this list that we're going to talk about here that could easily will easily go probably in the first two days. And yeah. Murphy's one of them, man. I could see him going on day one, mid to late first round to a team that just looks at him and says, hey, the size is there. The, the the motor is there. He's got that ability. He knows how to anchor. He knows how to use his weight. There's some little things you can clean up in his game. Like I said, I think he can be a better pass rusher. I think he can get a little better at using his hands. But overall, man, he's he's a brute of a human being on the inside. Yeah, and I mean he's he he's jacked up, right? I mean he's his upper body is it's no he is notably a strong human being. Um and like you said, six one, so a little shorter, stout frame, but he he gets some really natural leverage out of that, and he plays with good leverage. And that paired with his yes. explosiveness and his athletic traits, there's a lot to like and a lot to work with, especially with how violent he is. I mean, this guy is just flying through gaps, shooting through gaps, nonstop motor. You'd love love to watch him play football. He's a lot of fun, um, but there were some things that I kind of I'm a little lower on him. The consensus. I mean, there's, there's some people putting him up, up above Johnny Newton now and him going inside the top 20. I've got an early second round grade on him. And that's, that's still how I feel about him. Um, I just think that his lower body power is not up to par with his upper body and it mm. limits his anchor a little bit. Uh, his ability to, to stand up against the run. I think, more powerful NFL blockers are going to give him issues early on. And yeah. but that's something you can improve and something he can grow sure. with. Um, I do think he has the frame to add some, add some more sand in his pants, but um, I love that term. That but, is a great uh, term, but right now I think he's pretty feast or famine against the run. He's either winning as a gap shooter or get, getting pushed off the ball against the run is kind of the way I'm seeing it. And in order for him to be able to be a three down player in the NFL, he needs to find ways to win against the run that aren't just shooting through a gap. Um, and that's where I see the limited, the limits right now. Now, maybe he can add that mass and maybe he can, you know, become that three down defender. But I think early in his career, you're talking about a pass rush specialist until he can prove up that he can defend the run on first down and second down. Um, Outside of, you know, second and long, you might see him on the field more. But sure. second and short, I'm not sure you can trust him. I'm not sure what his red zone viability is because of that either. I think that's something that gets lost in a lot of this when you're talking about guys who struggle against the run but are chaotic pass rushers. Yeah. Can they be red zone defenders if they can't stop the run, if they can't hold up to it? And, again, he is 300 pounds. So I don't want anyone to walk away from this saying, oh, he can't defend the run at all. But to be being taken in the top 20 – I think I need a little more from him as far as being a complete player. Until then, I see an early second round guy. 
Yeah, I think that was the thing that stood out to me the most. Like you said, it's he's got the ability to anchor, but to me, if he's going to be more of a difference maker early in his career as a run defender, he's got to have better hands. He's got to have better use that upper body strength mm-hmm. to, to shed blockers. And he showed that he wasn't necessarily the greatest at that on tape. Again, agree with you, not knocking him. I think he could still be an incredible NFL player, but there are definitely aspects of his game. My my brain had him in the somewhere in the pick number 30 to 40 range, so we're, yeah. we're kind of on and, the same page. Yeah. I think he could sneak into the back end of the first round, but I agree with you. I think there's enough flaws on tape where most teams would grade him where you have him queue in the, in the top of the second. But who knows? Maybe he tests like crazy at the combine like we see year in and year out, and maybe he shoots up draft boards. Hey, Kalijah Kansi was awesome. He went in the top 20 last year. So, and Kalijah Kansi can't play the run for his life. So, <laughs> who knows? Uh, but moving on to Brandon Dorless out of Oregon. And so this guy is, is he an edge rusher? Is he a, is he a D tackle? I think in the NFL, he's going to have to be a D tackle. Um, or at least I did. I don't think he has the bendiness to play the edge consistently, unless it's more like a three, four defensive end type guy. Um, because let me see if a senior bowl trying to find he weighed in at 272, which was rough, rough for him because before that he was looked at as like a 285 guy, which is you know coming in 13 pounds lighter than that. I feel like is puts a little more strain on what position are you? Are you a tweener? Um right now I've got a mid-second round grade on him, but Ron, do you have thoughts on him? I Dorless was the one guy I didn't get to see a lot of film on, but based on the body structure cue, I agree with exactly what you said. I think his perfect fit in the NFL, if I'm a team looking at him, is that like five technique and a three, four scheme, because it gives him some of that ability to be kind of a, a bendy, you know, pass rusher, have some pass rush ability, but still ultimately play as an inside defender without having to be expected to be that nose tackle that takes on, you know, routine double teams and things like that on the interior part of the line. I, I do think the weight is a concern, right? We're, we're talking about this from the Bears standpoint. This would not be a guy I would have on the Bears top 100 draft board just because he doesn't fit the profile of what they exactly need. Um, but I, I agree with you, Q. I, I think in the NFL, just based on his size and, and what's out there in terms of just kind of scouting reports already on this guy, without having watched the film myself a whole lot, he, he strikes me as a guy that perfect world, if he's going to have the most success in his career, I think he could be a really good 3-4 D end at the next level. Yeah, and or I mean, the one thing that I do question with him in that in that five tech role is you need to be able to play the run and two yap doing that. And I'm I'm not sure that his his hand usage against the run and his anchor is really strong enough for that right now. Um, and it's a question. I'm not. I I, I can't say that I'm confident that it's not, but it's one thing that I'm gonna look for when I when I review his tape again. Because the last time I watched him, I thought he was 290 pounds. Um, there's that. There's a big difference there as far as what your role will be in the NFL. Um, sure. Now, on the plus side, I mean, he is twitchy and athletic, and he can shoot those gaps. He can really be useful in stunts. That lateral agility is really strong, and he has long arms. He 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 measured in with long arms. There's a fit there if he can add mast, especially, then then you might be saying, you know, maybe we can make this guy a DeForest Buckner type player. 
Mm. which is high, high praise. So don't like, that's just the one that comes off top of my head. Cause I think he came in the NFL at 270 pounds. He's at 300 now. Um, but he was also six foot six. Uh, so there's a little bit of a difference or maybe six, five, something along those lines. Doorless. Let's see. He's coming at six, three. So a little shorter. Um, but you know, you never know with, with these guys, you get them in a nutrition program, a weight program, they might be able to add weight. The I'm sure the team doctors will be, advising the scouts on that as well um 100%. so there, there's a lot of i'm interested in with doorless but not a lot i'm confident in yet and i think the combine is going to matter a lot for him from that aspect yeah i i agree with you i i think again i think you learn a lot about guys the way they test especially if there's certain little questions right i think every team needs to come into the scouting combine with some opinion on these guys and use that data then from the scouting combine to kind of fill some of those holes, I guess, in terms of what you think a guy can do. Or just like you said, right, Q, just some of the questions that you might naturally have for yourself. Can he, can't he, you know, do we think he's got the ability because of X, Y, and Z? Um, I think a good scouting combine will certainly help his grade, but I agree with you. I, I think just given what's at hand right now, just flat face value, mid-second round I think makes a lot of sense for this guy. Yeah. Next up here, we have Miami, Florida, Leonard Taylor the third. And Ron, have you watched much of Leonard yet? I have. I have. I got to see a little bit of this film today, actually. What did you think? He's, he's a Roshark test. Like, he's, it, it is interesting to hear everyone's opinions on him. He's, when you initially look at him, have you ever, this is going to be the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever said on the show. Have you ever watched the like live action Scooby-Doo movies? Of course. You know, when they go to the creepy monster Island and there's those creepy, like elongated things walking yeah. around with the big backs. Yeah. That's what, that's what Leonard Taylor. The third looks like on film. To me. <laughs> like he's just, he's big, he's long, right? Like that's just the, yeah. the, the vibe I get. That's how he plays. I will say though, I think my biggest knack on Leonard Taylor the third I think he can play with better leverage he's got the length he looks I mean he looks so long on 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 film right like you can see the the quickness you can see that ability he's not afraid to chase a play down after so I don't question the motor and things like that and the desire to play football his pad level is the biggest concern I would have with a guy like Leonard Taylor the third and again I mean that's something that's that's certainly teachable but that was something that, right, you and I sat here and discussed all year with a guy like Javon Dexter. Can he learn to play with better pad level? Can you learn to play leverage? Because in college, if you're a big athletic freak, you can overpower college offensive linemen. It just is what it is. At the next level, he ain't going to be able to do that so easily. So I, I, I see the potential. I see the the that raw ability. I think he can add weight and get even bigger and, and just be a freak athlete at the next level. My only concern with him right now, Q, is is that pad level going forward. All right. I, I'm going to start with the good on him because he has a trait that I think is very valuable and not discussed that often, which is balance. Mm. He He stays upright out of some of the most compromising positions that I've seen this year for a defensive tackle. Where it's just like, how did he do that? He's bendy. And not just stays upright. Yeah, bendy. But is able to keep generating power through really compromising positions. Mm. Which is something that, you know, only X amount of guys can do. 
that there's not really a way to teach that. There's not a way to develop it. Just either you can or you can't. Right. So he has that special trait and he's high energy, depending on the rep you're looking at. <laughs> like sometimes he, he's just a, and I don't know, maybe he plays too many snaps. I, I don't remember what his snap count specifically were. There can be reasons why a guy might waver like that. But when he's, when the switch is flipped, he's a maniac. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems unblockable sometimes when he's on. The issues are when he's not on. Just a very inconsistent player. When he's not on, he is on the ground a lot. He is out of position a lot. His pad level is consistently just straight up off the snap. Um, so he is a tantalizing prospect to me because there are so much so many traits within this guy where I'm just like, oh, just develop them. You know, like the I, I can hear a football coach just, just pounding the table going, I can get that out of him consistently. But I'm not I, I just this guy was the number one defensive tackle in his high school class. He's been at Miami for three years and I'm not sure that he's developed at all. And when I looked at Jervon Dexter last year, I saw reasons why he wasn't developing because of the way that they were playing football, the way they were asking the defensive lineman to read the run to keep the linebackers clean, to hold the line there. And there there was more – there were far fewer losses for Dexter. There were just a lot of questions. With Taylor, I have questions and I see losses. I mean, I got a second-round grade on him still. I think I might bump him back a little to late second, early third uh, because I – Right now, this is just based on my mathematical grading system, the film score that I have in the grades. I'm going to go back and really give my opinion more in the numbers later on once I have like once I'm up to like 100 guys watch something like that. But right now I'm just I'm going off the numerical score, which puts in around the second round and all our other factors have them right around a second round of here. But I think I'm going to knock them a little more into that early third type territory. Um, but he's talented man he's talented i don't know if i want him on the bears or not but he is talented and i i'd be intrigued let me put it that way i'd be very intrigued he's he's definitely the type of guy especially as a rookie right if you're really trying to develop him and taking that developmental route with him as a rookie i think his best value is limited snap count but when he is out there you tell him just go balls to the walls yeah play play that just chaotic scheme you get tired tap yourself out we'll rotate somebody new in so be it, right? Um, but I agree with you. I, again, I think if he can get the pad level figured out too, though, Q, not only will that obviously improve just his ability as a defensive lineman to create leverage, but it's also going to improve his ability to probably stay on the field longer. You're working harder when you have bad pad leverage to beat guys mm-hmm. off the line. If you have better leverage, you're going to have easier matchups that way because you're going to have the better balance. He's got the balance, in my opinion, to be able to apply the leverage. It's just being able to get that pad level lower. If he gets that pad level lower, to your point, man, he is just such an intriguing prospect then. But then right now – He's going to be on the ground less. He gets put on the ground so much. And, like, it's two very opposite things we're saying, right? We're saying incredible balance, but he's on the ground all the time. Like, how does that make sense? But it's it's consistently happening. It's just a question of 
one rep to the next, he looks like a completely different player. So. It's when it's when you play up on your pads, for those at home that might be listening and go, I don't understand it. When a guy plays up and high on his pads, you know what he makes them really easy for? When that second guy in the double team comes and lifts him underneath his armpit and throws him on the ground, and that's exactly why he ends up on the ground. If he plays lower, that block becomes a million times more difficult for the guard or for the center, or whoever it is that's coming is that second man. But if you got a guy that plays high as that second guy coming on a double team, I'm licking my lips going, Oh, this dude's getting pancaked and I'm laying on top of him like a lazy fat ass because I can. <laughs> and that's what happens to Taylor. That's Just exactly what happens. To him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next guy up. One of the best names in the draft class. Root. Immaculate. Oh, row, 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 row. <laughs> is that actually how it's pronounced? A row or o row row row. Rook a row 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 row. It is an incredible name. <laughs> even even if that isn't how it's pronounced, that is an incredible name. And Q, I'll be honest with you, he was one of the few guys as we got later into this list of guys we were gonna sit here and talk about that I watched film on that caught my attention immediately, right? Like sometimes that first play, the guys come out there a little slow or whatever, and you're trying to kind of – maybe you don't know their college number when you start the film because that's happened to me a couple times with some of these guys, and they don't stand out. Immediately with – we're just going to call him Rook O. Uh, with Mr. Rook O here, stands out. call him the Nigerian Nightmare because that's his nickname supposedly. Oh, even better. He looks like a Nigerian nightmare on film. I mean, he stands out on paper. Um, I, I like what he's got. I think my favorite part of his game, Q, he's got good size. I mean, six foot four, 290. I mean, he, you know, he probably bulk up probably another 10, 15 pounds in the NFL and get you to that 300 mark. To me, he's a really good potential three technique. That's the kind of game that he breeds in my eyes watching his tape. He, you could tell he's a great athlete just by the way he moves. He's got really solid sense of gap control as a, as a potential three technique. Like he doesn't get very easily pushed off the ball or out of his gap. And he's, he's the maybe most impressive part of his game is the ability to scrape down the line of scrimmage. That was the one thing I noticed time and time again on film with him was he'd come scraping down through a hole and it's not necessarily getting up field and getting after the quarterback. You know, it's in the zone game. He's able to break through. And has an opportunity to just scrape down that line to make a play on the running back as he gets to the line of scrimmage. He's really impressive, man. I, I like him a lot. And he's a guy that I think goes probably somewhere in that mid, early to mid-second round. And he might be one of those, like, quote-unquote, steal the draft guys. Like, there's just something about him on film that really stands out to me. There, the little the little uh, defensive line coach inside my brain cue is pounding the table for this guy because you see on film what he could potentially be at the next level. He's got all the traits, and if you can you can coach him up a little bit more, and he, I think if he gets a little better with his hands, like his hands are good, but I think there's room to improve. He's a really fun prospect to watch on film. Yeah, I think, uh, and you mentioned the ability to scrape down the line against zone runs. I mean, how often do you do you see gap shooters? who just fly through the line of scrimmage against his own run, but don't matter. Like they're, they're out of the picture at that point, unless they can pursue from behind, which occasionally right. works out, but more, more times than not, they're just left with empty handed standing there in the backfield. Um, so that awareness of feeling the zone blocks and starting to scrape early, I think is, 
is a big trait here. And one thing that he uses while he does that, this guy packs a punch, man. He his it, he is just bringing power to you as the blocker consistently mm. with his hands. Um, there, uh, another guy who, and you know, theme of the night, it's defensive tackle. Quick hint for you: most defensive tackles only have one pass rush move that works at this mm. level. Uh, so Bra's a pass rusher can really develop some more counters. He has the athleticism to do it though. He, he has a lot of skills and loose hips that he can really add to that toolbox and develop more. He is a little older already. I think 23. Um, but I don't think that's a major issue with him. He's missed some time with some injuries. He, he had shoulder surgery in 23, a torn triceps in 21, a torn meniscus in 2020. Um, but this was a guy who could have come out in the draft last year, I think, and decided to go back to Clemson. Um, and I do think he got better. I think there's more development there. And I, I really, I don't think his, his frame is maxed out yet either. I do think he can add another maybe 10 pounds and really, you know, hit up to that 300 number. Um, I think he's versatile enough to be that odd front defensive end or even front three technique and his, his instincts against the run, like you mentioned, I think are something that can make him a fit for the bears here. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to stand up to many double teams. I don't think he's going to anchor down consistently against gap blockers or anything like that. But I think he's going to be good enough when he needs to kick into that more interior role. Like like when the, the, like we said, the offense has forced them to shift the D line that you can live with it. And that's really what we're talking about in a three technique that we're looking for. So, I mean, I'm with you. I've, I have a a mid to late third, second round grade on them. Um, somewhere in the top 75 is Mm -hmm. the the way I categorized it. Um, but that really, that's probably a late second rounder. And I I compare him to, to Taquan Graham with the saints. Who's a slighter frame guy, kind of like him at two ninety, but a guy who, really was kind of overlooked as a tweener coming in the league and has really carved out a nice role in the league for himself. Yeah. And I think the cue, the way you put it right with the difference between him and and Graham, as you noted, I do think there's room for him to grow his frame. And they, if you read anything about him as, as I did a little bit earlier, again, I, some of these guys, I got some last minute information on today just to be caught up and ready to roll here, but he actually trimmed some excess fat to get a little more explosive and a little more athletic in his time here at Clemson. So if that's the case, if you give him a good 10 pounds of healthy muscle, I think a, it answers your question Q about him being a little better against those double teams and in the instances when he is asked to kick down to a one technique because of the offensive scheme. And I think too, that also is going to benefit him at some point then in the pass rush, because if he does develop a second move, then he's going to have the power to go along with that second move as well at the next level. So again, I, I think he's a guy that you look at and you say year one, he he could absolutely be absolutely be a contributor on the field immediately. But I do think he's really projects out well as like that year two, year three guy where he really takes that step forward with some coaching and a little bit of growth physically and, and just gets a little bit bigger. And I could see him as a guy that would look really good on the bears uh, in terms of like that three technique position, like you mentioned. Yeah, and sticking with Clemson, let's go on to his teammate, Tyler Davis, who, I mean, this Clemson D-line was good, but Davis, another guy who has 
more natural leverage. Like he's he's kind of a squatty 300 pound build. Uh, he's kind of like a bowling ball up there, but like an explosive bowling ball, like a bowling ball going 100 miles an hour. Um, and he's fun. He's just he's aggressive. He's he's bursting through gaps. He is just. I bowling ball is really the perfect way to do it. He just moves fast through those lanes with power and with mass. Like, I think he can hold up to double team some more, but really three technique is where you want him. I, I think as far as, as far as the guys that we've talked about outside of the first round guys, I think he's one of the more clear fits for the bears. As far as a guy at target who, you know, you might be able to get him in the third, fourth round and a guy who brings that versatility to be able to play play that interior either side of it and just be able to maintain enough against the run but be able to create chaos and maybe some limited snaps. I'm not sure his upside's as high as some of these other guys, but I think his floor is higher, and I think that he's a guy who's just going to come in instantly be able to make an impact in a rotational role and be a guy you can count on. Yeah, and, and when you can get a, a slew of rotational guys that – <clears throat> excuse me, can can step in and, and wreak havoc even in limited snap counts. You're still benefiting your football team. You're still growing your defensive line and what they're going to be able to improve on the field. I agree with you. I mean, watching the film and more often than not instances, right, he was kind of the one technique to Rook O's three technique, and that's just because of the nature of their size and what they do and their ability. I agree with you. The first thing that stood out to me to him in the run game is he's very squatty. He's very hard to move off the ball. He's not easy to, to displace. He's a guy that I think out of any of these guys that we've looked at in the draft, that profile is a three technique. He's the guy I'm probably most comfortable kicking down to that one technique and being mm -hmm. able to take on a double team. Um, I, I love his length. I mean, he's just a large human being. Like, he looks just bigger than everybody on tape. You know what I mean? There's certain guys that stand out truly, even when you can't tell everybody's certain height and things. He's one of them. And I, I think, again, another guy that has really good gap responsibility, I think that's something that just Clemson D-linemen tend to have. That's just kind of the way that they're coached down there yeah. at Clemson. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think there's – maybe the ceiling isn't as high for a player like him, but – at least at the end of the day, he's he's definitely one of those guys that I don't want to call him safe, but you, you kind of know what you're getting with him. He, his 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 strengths are very clear on paper, and his weaknesses are also very clear. And there's clear, you know, coaching and developmental abilities in each of those. But at the end of the day, if he even doesn't get that next developmental step, you're still getting a really good ball player that's going to help your defensive line regardless. Yeah. Um Let's go ahead and jump to the next guy. So we're not we're we got three more guys here in 10 minutes. So let's let's keep them rolling here. Let's do uh, it. Michael Hall Jr. out of Ohio State. Um, this is a guy who was at the senior bowl. I, I spoke to him a little bit while I was there, actually, and weighed in at 280 pounds at six foot two, 33 and a quarter inch arms, so good length. I'm not sure how much room there is for him to add more mass. Um, it's possible. It's hard to tell with some of these guys. Like he's he's a bit more of a a leaner guy, but you know, like I said, you get these guys in a nutrition program, a weight training program. Sometimes they can just they can add another 10, 15 pounds. Sometimes they can't. I think that he I lean more towards he's probably 280, but who knows? Either way, he's an impressive athlete. 
This guy is explosive. He bounces around gaps. Really, probably some of the best lateral ability of any of the guys we've talked about so far. And really violent hands and really grew those hands in the last year. You look at his 22 tape, he only had one, maybe two pass rush moves this year. They use him on all sorts of stunts. He showed multiple counters, pass rush moves. Not all of them were consistent, but the fact that he developed them over the offseason, that's that's a lot of growth. This guy, I think, has an upside to be a really high-end pass rusher from the interior, even if he never really can, has the mass to hold up against the run. I think that he's a guy who, you know, in the third round, you might just say, we want that. Yeah, incredibly well put. That's exactly what I had written for him as well. Just a freak athlete. You can see the speed. You can see the rush ability. Uh, no concerns there. He's just a motorized freak when it comes to rushing the passer. I think the biggest quote-unquote limit in his game is his ability against the run. He gets washed a little bit easily sometimes, especially against bigger def- or be a bigger offensive lineman, pardon me, and will get washed out of a play on occasion, especially in the run game. But overall, I agree with you. Early third round, I think some team looks at him and just goes, you know what? Screw it. We've got those guys that can stop the run. Mm-hmm. We want that interior rush ability that Hall brings to the table. I like them a lot on film. Uh, no bias at all. Not my loving of the Ohio State Buckeyes by any means. But um, again, the only concern would be in the run game. But in terms of what he does as a pass rusher, maybe some of the best in this draft class, in my opinion. Yeah. Um Now, moving on to a guy who is a very different kind of prospect. Well, somewhat being kind of similar, uh, Braden Fiske. So, or Fisk. I'm not exactly sure if it's Fisk or Fiske. Nickname is B-Money, so I'm just going to say B-Money. This dude. Electric nickname. Yeah. Well, so he was at Wyoming. He was a defensive end at Wyoming before transferring to Florida State last year. He kicked inside to three tech for Florida State. Was it Wyoming or Western Michigan? Western Michigan, I'm sorry, wrong W school. Western Michigan. They, they all look the same. They all have brown as the colors. Local kid, if you consider Michigan City, Indiana, to be part of Chicago suburbs, which it's an hour away, probably should. Uh, but we know how polls feels about those local kids. I'm assume I can only assume he grew up a Bears fan in Michigan City, but we'll, we'll probably get verification on that at some point. Um, this, I like to I like to call this dude a Tonka truck. He just throws his body around like he's a plastic truck and he's, he's he can't be broken. Like this guy's motor is inspiring. He makes you want to run through a brick wall the more tape you watch of him. Um, he's a fairly like limited athlete. I mean, he's, he's twitchy, but like there's not a lot. He, he's a little tight through the hips. The lateral agility isn't that impressive and. He's coming in at 295 pounds, six, three and a half. So his size is manageable there. Um, but the real, the thing that I'm really having a hard time with is 31 inch arms. And that's, you can see some difficulty disengaging on tape. And a lot of the times he's actually, it's not an issue because he's so strong that he can just kind of toss guys off them on initial impact but I'm not sure that that's going to sustain at the next level. And that, that's the one thing I worry about with him. Like, I think a lot of people really like this guy and I really like his tape, but I just think there's some limitations here that might force him to be more of a tweener in the NFL. 
You stole the words right out of my mouth, Q. I had almost verbatim the exact same thing written down here. Because when I, I look at him, I, I exactly what you said. I see a limit as a pass rusher. I think the motor there at least gives him the ability to still do damage in the pass game. Not saying he's completely useless, but I think he is very limited. I don't think he has the greatest of hands. I don't think he has the greatest of counter moves or anything of that nature. But he is. He's just a brute. He's a big human being. He's going to throw his body into gaps. He's got that motor that is going to cause havoc, and he's going to be a hard player. He commands attention was a note I wrote down, Q, yeah. just because of that motor and the way he plays. I, I still think he's a, a nice player that you could probably take in the late third, maybe early fourth round. I still think he can step in day one and and give you value. I I think especially in the run game, but I think even to an extent in the pass game as well, I do think there is some development there. I think the biggest thing for him, Q, if he learns a little bit better how to use his hands in the pass rush game, even though they are short, I understand he's got short arms, but if he's able to at least improve his hand usage a little bit at the next level, I think he could become a very solid defensive tackle at the next level. I think he's got everything else in there. He just needs to get a little better, I think, with his hands to make up for some of that that leverage and that tightness in the hips that he's unable to create because of just his physical limitations. Yeah, I can see that because right now he's pretty much just like the Tasmanian devil. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, he just he runs straight forward and he purpose. bullies into people. Yeah, but like, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly how it. Yeah. All right. Last guy we got here, a guy who I just wrote up the other day, Makai Wingo out of LSU. Um, and I will briefly touch on his teammate at the end, too. But um, Wingo, he. I'm excited about what this kid might be able to be. He's at 290 listed at 295 now. What, what he weighs in at the combine will matter. Because uh, he wasn't at the senior bowl or anything, but he's only 20 years old. He's a 20 year old junior coming out. Will turn 21, I think, during the season next year. Um, and this dude just flies off that first step. Like it, the first game I watched him, it was like, drop what you're doing. I need to watch more of this guy. Like that type of first step quickness. Um, doesn't have any any real moves but just lives on that quickness. And to me, I look at that. I see developable traits. I see a guy who, I mean, there's, there's not a lot to really love in his tape beyond the physical traits right now, but man, the physical traits are there. The motors there. He hustles. He's vocal on the field to point out checks and adjustments. Like, so there's some leadership traits there that I like. He's active in a bunch of different community service causes. So more leadership traits I like. He was a captain as a 20-year-old junior. Another leadership trait I like with those athletic traits. I mean, I've got a third-round grade on him, but I think this kid might be jumping up draft boards at some point here. Q, I do think he is going to jump up draft boards. I think getting the negative out of the way with him, I think the biggest concern I had with him was there are times where his pad level gets a little high. Granted, he's a little more stout, so I think he gets away with it a little more often than not, being only six foot one, But – he he could play with a little bit of better pad level. There are some times where I feel like he gets a little inconsistent in his play as well. It's not super often, but maybe it was just the film I watched, but I felt like there was some plays that he gets a little inconsistent and maybe yeah. away from his game. I don't but, think it's uh, motor-related or effort-related inconsistencies. It's just refinement. He's not agreed. muscle memory type stuff. 
A hundred percent. I think it's just developmental trait stuff versus like mental lapses and things of that nature. I don't see any of that. But the first note I wrote, the explosion is there. And you could see it that quick, that first step. Q, there was one, there was one game I was watching with him and I just played it on run. I didn't do the rewinds or anything. I just wanted to watch just visually with, and read and react initially. And I'm sitting there watching this. And he only makes a nice play, and then he gets a little high, and then he makes a, you know, and then he gets there, and he's got good hustle coming after a ball. And I'm like, cool. Then there's this play. He just shoots the gap, and quarterback's done. And I'm like, where did that come from? Where has that been all day? Like, that explosion alone, Q, I agree with you. I think that gets him up into the late second round. I think there's going to be teams that try to jump other teams to get him because of that explosion. I think because if you put him in the right situation where he's going to be able to learn right away and really be coachable not be expected to be the guy immediately, I think because of that explosion, the sky is the limit for a guy like Makai Lingo. Yeah, I I agree. Um, And at at LSU, the other note I have here – really played mostly passing downs this last year um, and his rundowns that he was out there were questionable. Um, and it was a really deep defensive line rotation at LSU. So he wasn't counting on as the guy he was counting on as one of the guys, um, which could change after a few years of development for him in the NFL, but that would be a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And when he's 20 years old, you know, there's room for growth and development. Yeah. Like he's, you're not where you're not playing the clock game of going, well, we can develop him for three years, but then he's going to be 26 years old. No, no, no. You develop him for three years. He's going to be the same age as all these other guys coming out of the draft at age 23. So th- there's, there's a lot of growth opportunity because of his age and because of some of that rawness in his game. Exactly. Um, there were two other guys I wanted to briefly mention because when I sent you the list of guys that I was thinking about talking about, I hadn't watched him yet. I've watched him now. Wingo's teammate, Mason Smith, was one of the top recruited defensive tackles in his recruiting class out of high school. Um, 21 years old, I believe. So another young guy, very developmental. Reminds me of Javon Dexter in some ways. Six foot six, 315 pounds. The simplest and quickest way I can say it is that someone that big shouldn't move the way he moves. There's a lot to work on. There's a lot to develop, but he just, he's different. Um, And then Dwayne Carter out of Duke, probably my favorite fit for the Bears right now. Um, 310 pounds, I want to say, six foot three. Um, His PFF grades are all out of whack from this year. I think that he was asked to play a lot of different roles on that defensive line, but Man, I'll tell you, there are some some plays, especially red zone plays. I'm watching this guy, and it's just like he is holding the house from falling over right now. Like, the power is there. There's some developmental stuff, some pad level stuff, but two-time team captain at Duke, who I believe was an academic all-ACC and team captain, and the, the clear leader of the defensive line out there, like – there's some developmental stuff, but this guy, there's this, there's the intelligence in his background. There is the leadership traits. And, man, there are some athletic traits, and the power is there. The size is there. I think that he's a great fit for the Bears. Yeah, I feel like he's another guy very similar to Wingo in the sense of the, the other intangibles that a player has, I think, that boosts their stock, right? Just a, a leader – an intelligent football player, you know, they're going to be able to pick up on things. You're going to be able to be a, a 
be able to critique them and they're going to take it in stride. Those are the type of guys that tend to be the most coachable. And so even though a guy like Wingo or in this case, a guy like Carter are maybe a little more developmental on the physical side, they have all the other traits that give you, you hope that they're going to be able to reach that ceiling of what their potential ultimately is. So um, Carter, again, a guy I'm not as familiar with as you are in this case, Q, a guy that I really haven't gotten to any film on just yet. Um, But again, if, if he's those intangible traits do make a difference. And that's something that, especially at the scouting combine, when these GMs and front offices are getting in front of these guys with a, a whiteboard or, or with film study, that's really going to stand out to them at the end of the day, when it comes down to it. And that's probably going to affect their grades of a lot of these guys as well. Absolutely. I think so. All right. Well, that is all we've got for you guys on defensive tackle. You can go find scouting reports on each and every one of these players over at ontapsportsnet.com. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to stick around for edge rushers in about five minutes here. And if you're listening on the podcast, those will be out Thursday. Make sure to check out ONTAP Sportsnet for all your Chicago sports needs. We got them all covered, folks. Appreciate you guys and have a good night.